You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number 107 of Aging Starts Now. I'm Barbara McGinnis, certified elder law attorney and partner at Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law. Today, I'm speaking with one of the firm's elder care coordinators, licensed clinical social worker, Deborah King, about how to choose the right caregiver. Good afternoon, Deborah. Hi, Barb. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know you get to have this conversation a lot with our our families um, about when to hire a caregiver and how to hire the caregiver. Just how do you know it's time to start getting bringing in outside help? Well, I always say it's never too soon. Um, I look at the the positives of getting a caregiver in the home, a hired caregiver, in terms of giving the family caregiver a break, um, giving them time to rejuvenate themselves, to get those errands done, or just to go in their room and close the lights and read a book. Um, But also, it helps, especially if you have someone who has dementia, it helps them get used to someone else taking care of them and gives helps them learn to accept someone else taking care of them. So, as you go down the, as you decline or need more help, um, getting help in the home can be a positive for both the family caregiver and the person who's being cared for. That makes sense to me. Um, but what if, you know, sometimes that's hard for the caregiver to turn loose and to, and to open up care and uh, to other care. And sometimes the pushback is about um, cash or the cat, the costs of these private duty caregivers. Um, are there any payer sources that help a family with that? Um, it depends on where you live and what your circumstances are. Um, cost, of course, is a concern, and with the cost rising, people are hesitant to spend the money, wanting to save it for when they really need it later. Um, but we look at, you know, paying for care in the home may prevent a decline in either the person being cared for or the family caregiver and um, may prevent what you fear most is needing to move to a different level of care. Um, There are services, um, there is a reimbursement program through the VA system, Veterans Affairs, if you serve during wartime um, and have enough of the... um, meet the criteria, um, that is means tested. So there are financial requirements, as is the 10 care program, which not only provides care in the nursing home, but does have the choices program that helps with care in the home. Again, there's medical and financial criteria for that. 
Some communities um, offer the PACE program or they may have slots available in the options program, which can provide, um, those tend to be more housekeeping or or supervisory care versus actual hands-on personal care. So yes, there are resources out there um, and finding those can be a challenge. Yeah, and a lot of those uh, programs, uh, even the like the Tennessee Respite Coalition that we've talked about in the past, mm-hmm. I, is as good as all of that is and sounds and is good, there may be waiting lists for that kind of stuff or those kind of assistance. And but, even the assistance can be limited, you know, one, a couple of days a year, a week a, a year. So you don't really get the full benefit of, of hiring someone in your home on a regular basis. But I think the takeaway there is not to despair. If you don't have the private resources to afford a private caregiver, um, that would be a good reason to talk to an elder care attorney because we could help find those payer sources um, and to work with a care coordinator to uh, access those benefits. So how do you actually go about finding a caregiver? Should it be a family member or should you use an agency? Um, you get your magic wand out and say, here you are. Uh, (laughs) um, Caregivers, um, even in the best of times, are difficult to find. There are a lot of agencies that you can hire to provide caregivers. Um, There are private individuals um, and there are family caregivers. And there's pros and cons to each and every one of those. Um, family caregivers, if you hire a granddaughter or a daughter or daughter-in-law or a, a, a child to help with the care services, um, oftentimes there should be a formal agreement so that should you need benefits down the road that mo- you can show that that money was paid in exchange for care services. But then the person receiving that money needs to be aware of the, the rules about claiming that as income. Um, hiring an agency tends to be the safest in terms of they do all the employment issues in terms of hiring and training and vetting the person, doing the background checks and the drug screenings and things like that. They manage the payroll and the taxes and all of that. But um, you're, you're dealing with um, who the agency can provide. And we found in some areas there just are not a lot of caregivers available. Um, and sometimes you have to go through a number of agencies to find the right fit. Um, also hiring private caregivers, um, you know, the lady from the church, the neighbor down the street, the retired RN, um, a lot of people turn to those. Again, having some type of formal agreement can help benefit you as a employer or the person needing the help. Um, but those, you're then responsible that they show up when they say they are, especially if you have something planned to do when the caregiver is there. Um you're, you have to be responsible for doing the background checks and there's concerns about do you need extra insurance in case they get hurt, quote, on the job. Um, 
lot of issues related to that, but people tend to go towards that because a private individual or the family caregiver tends to be less expensive. And again, it, it comes it down to what maybe you- tends to be less expensive on a on a paid for hourly basis. But there's all kinds of hidden costs and risk in that. Absolutely. And, and I. Uh, I know a lot of our families like doing hiring private caregivers. I strongly would encourage someone to use an agency um, because of all the things you just mentioned, like the taxes and the insurance and uh, just the general liability there. I think you're on much more solid footing. Well, You still need to vet the agency, though. There are a lot, and I mean a lot of agencies um, in our area, but even in some of the more rural areas. And you want to make sure that the agencies are meeting the requirements and and doing things the right way. Um, How are they screening their uh, their candidates? How are they they training them? Yes. Yes. And even if you, they train them a lot of times you have to remember that you're still going to write that job description. You're still going to list what you want that person to do. And if there are special things that they need to do, um, such as using a Hoyer lift or changing a bed in a certain way, um, you are responsible for training that person. And the other thing to remember, especially with agencies, are they're limited as to what they can do. They they can't give medicines. They can hand the medicine to the person and encourage them to take it. They can't do dressing changes, things like that. They're, they can't do nursing care. Unless you hire a nurse instead of, yeah, unless they're, and then that's, uh, you're talking about some supreme dollars at that point in time. Finding nurses that'll do that in the home. I know. So that's probably like an overlay between skilled um, or medical home health that's paid for by Medicare and the um, non-medical providers, which is private pay money for the most part or long-term care insurance money or Medicaid or whatever. Mm -hmm. So you can layer these things as well to uh, create a system or a structure of support for for your loved one that needs that kind of care. A lot of families do that, especially when someone's transitioning from a, a nursing home situation or a skilled care rehab situation. They'll qualify for that home health where the nurse can come in and do some visits. They can get some physical therapy in the home. They can get the PTOT evaluations for home safety and adaptive equipment. Um, and so you can have those people. But remember, those profe- those are professionals, essentially, and they're just coming in for an hour or so to do their treatment and then they're out the door. So then right. you have to hire the, the personal care providers that can be there to sit with your loved ones to help meet their needs, to keep the bedside clean, to help with meal prep, to help them to the bathroom, to keep them entertained and socialized and keep their minds stimulated. Absolutely. There's a lot, definitely a, a lot to it. So you need the help um, and there's ways to get it, but there's still work to be done 
you know, you're not just like turning it over to somebody else, I guess is what I'm saying. No, you, you, you're changing from the hands-on caregiver to being the care manager um, right. and making sure that those people do their job, that that agency does what they say they're going to do. And you still have to monitor it to a large degree. But it does provide you a sense of freedom that you can go out and do some things and get for a sure, certainly. Um, how do you know uh, what questions should you be asking? We've talked about some of them, like the training process or the vetting process. What else should you be asking? Um, well, I always tell my families that there, there's it's a successive interview. You're going to interview several agencies and find out what agency fits. And don't just go for the lowest price. Look at the benefits and the services and what kind of care providers. Um, of course, the more hours you use during the week, the more likely you are to get a, a consistent person doing that care. If you're just using four hours, and many agencies do just a four-hour minimum. So if you're using four hours a week, then you're um, probably going to have different people there every week because of the staffing situation, where if you're using four hours a day, five days a week, they may be able to get two or three of the same people to come into your home. Um, so you're, you're interviewing the caregivers, the agencies, and then once you select an agency, they should help match the caregiver to what you need, um, to the personality, to being able to do the care needs that you have. Um, if someone's mobile and they just need someone to be with them to keep them safe and toilet them and make sure they eat and make sure they take their medicines, that's a different kind of level than someone who needs physical assistance to get up from the chair or physical assistance to walk to the bathroom. So they need to match the caregiver as well as the caregiver's personality to the care person's personality. So there might be a bit of a um, in and out trying to find the right fit. You also have to give it time, just like anything else, to let that relationship develop. So usually when the caregiver gets in the home, you're going to be there the first few visits to kind of teach them where things are and what they need to do and, and make sure you're comfortable before you leave them in full custody of your loved one. Um, you do want to prepare your home put up valuables um, to keep it safe. Um, although these people, if, through an agency, are licensed and bonded, you, you just want to take general precautions. Um, but And then you want to check references of the people that you have coming in your home. A lot of people are fearful of having strangers come in their home. And so by doing your due diligence, by getting those background checks, by checking references, um, you can prevent some of those issues. I think those are all some great tips. Uh, sounds like you've done this a time or two. <laughs> well, working here, um, a lot of families want to keep their loved one at home as long as possible. And to support them, we do advise them, as I said in the beginning, to get care in the home to because that caregiver can be your backup plan. We always worry not only about the adult person who needs help, but also the 
family member that's providing care. What if something happens to them or they get called away or they're in the hospital? Who's going to take care of your loved one? And if you have a a caregiver, a paid caregiver that you can call and say, look, I'm having an emergency. Can you come tomorrow and stay for a couple of days? Um, That can help your backup plan until you can get more formal arrangements in place. Thank you so much, Deborah. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Take Us McGinnis is a life care planning law firm helping families respond to the legal and financial challenges caused by chronic illness or disability of an elderly loved one. Join us next week for another episode of Aging Starts Now. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com. Document downloads, the Take Us McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging Starts Now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness. 